Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back. Part two, in continuation to part one with our interviewer, Samantha. Um, so now, inshallah, we will hear all about her birth work. Um, we had an amazing, amazing podcast just now with the story, her revert story, which is always very, uh, very moving to hear. But um, this one was particularly moving. So inshallah, now um, I'll hand, hand you over to Samantha. Yes. Uh... Yes, glad to be back. Um, so, so yeah, I'll just dive right in. Um, I am still a new birth worker. Uh, I'll just start to say that this is a, still like a new kind of a thing to me. Um, but my fascination with birth and with everything like that started actually from a bit of a, unfortunately, uh, traumatic experience. Uh, I won't go into detail about it just because you know people have their own opinions and whatnot. I don't want to subject myself to other people's negativity, but um, I will say that what happened happened very early at the pregnancy at about six weeks, um, and it resulted in the end of the pregnancy. Uh, that was about a when was that? That was I think 2021. So or no, I could be wrong. I think it was 2020. Actually, the summer of 2020. Um, yeah. So I found out very early on that I was pregnant and. Unfortunately, um, some things happened and it resulted in the end of the, the pregnancy, um, but it's okay. Uh, you know, the experience that I had led me very uh, much into this field of work. It was something that I never thought that I would be even interested in, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, at this point, I knew nothing about, you know, the Western industrialized system of, you know, maternity care, if you even want to call it that, but um, I knew nothing about it. And I was not informed about anything the way that I am today. Um, it was actually very humbling because, you know, I, like I said, in the previous podcast, you know, I was always like this spiritual kind of person and like a new age kind of person, you know, where I was very interested in holistic care and um, natural organic things you know what I mean so yeah. this was definitely very humbling um but at the same time the biggest trial that I faced so far in my life and it took a really big toll on me uh and my relationship at the time and uh emotionally it hit me hard in a way that I wasn't prepared for but um alhamdulillah I took it in my stride and uh did the best that I could for the sake of myself and my relationship but it was a struggle for sure definitely um so, yeah, so I mean, I can't remember exactly what got me so interested in like free birth and stuff like that. I think, I think Allah just miraculously showed me one day on Instagram an account posting women's free birth stories. And this was right after, oh, actually, no, no, this was before my incident, my personal incident. Mm -hmm. So I had like an inkling of an idea of like that this existed you know but I didn't know anything else beyond that you know I just knew that women were doing this and that was it you know um and actually uh I was listening to the free birth society podcast mm -hmm. uh, a little bit um the, the stories on that podcast are great um, yeah yeah and uh I was amazed at what these women were sharing so uh, I would just listen while I was cleaning or driving to work. Like, like I said, I, I didn't dive really that into it because I didn't know like how to even get into it. You know, I was just listening to these stories. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I was always like this like holistic type person who was very obsessed uh, with living like as naturally as I could, you know, all that. But it never dawned on me really to apply this in the sense of my own like womanhood. So basically... Mm -hmm. 
I was really humbled by the fact that I really knew nothing about my own physiology. Like I thought that I did, but not really, you know? Right. And I didn't even really truly understand how like like I knew how the menstrual cycle worked but not in the way that I do now and you know I'm sure most other women in the U.S. especially uh, can relate because the education here is just atrocious and they don't you don't learn anything about this kind of stuff they just kind of tell you you get your period and you can go on birth control if you want that's basically what they tell you mm-hmm. um, uh, so yeah so listening to these women especially made me realize that um, there was a whole new world like like that I was waiting to step into. Like I was fascinated with the idea of the idea of like uh, hands-off pregnancy and hands-off medical care because what I went through, like, it was just so like, I'm sure a lot of women can relate. Like you just kind of go into it. Like you go into like a hospital or you go into some kind of care center, like a planned parenthood or something like that. And they just kind of like move you along and, you know, like the woman you talk to may be nice and everything, but they don't really give you any care. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So I was really interested in uh, the hands-off medical care because I'm not the kind of person that enjoyed seeing a doctor. Anyway, my, my mother is the same way. So I guess I get it from her. Yeah. Um, so over time, I learned the history of midwifery, how the allopathic medical model was designed and came to be. And everything just shifted for me. Like I just really got obsessed with it and really interested because from my own experience and what I went through, like I wanted to make sure, first of all, that I never went through that again. And also because, you know, I just wanted to, um, I don't know, like I just found it very interesting. Birth was never something that I really thought much about, you know what I mean? So I just, um, I just really got very obsessed with it. Um, I started reading nonstop books about uh, like birth, home birth, free birth, hospital birth, breastfeeding, natural mothering. And I was just devouring knowledge like you wouldn't even believe so. And I always felt the calling to step into some role of like a caregiver. And, um, you know, those are the careers that I always looked uh, more towards. Like I wanted to do something in that kind of a field. so it dawned on me one day to look up like doula certification programs in my area, but I, I really couldn't find anything that I was looking for because it just didn't seem like the kind of certification program I wanted to be into. Like it didn't support the, like my beliefs, I guess you could say. Um, right. Yeah. But then on Instagram one day I saw, there's a lot of like really great women who actually do their own like education programs and schooling and stuff like that. So uh, on Instagram one day, I was, uh, I saw that registration for a school that was like opening for a school that I, that like aligned exactly with my beliefs and my values and everything like that. So, so it was a big financial investment for me at the time, but I just decided to take the risk and I just jumped into it. And oh, I should have mentioned, this is before I reverted to Islam. This was like, you know, like I said in the previous episode, I reverted like a little over a month ago officially. This was back in, uh, I officially decided, like I got into birth and everything in 2020, but then like I spent like a year kind of getting familiar with all the concepts and learning and all that. And then I, um, I took the financial investment in 2021 and over the summer, uh, that's when I registered for this new program. Um, and I graduated from that in the fall or the winter of the same year. And, um, since then I've just been taking it very slow. Um, I really learned a lot about just everything, like 
free birth, especially that's, you know, the number one thing and just learning about um, how to support women, most importantly, you know, um, and from my own experience, I really felt strongly about it because, you know, during my experience, I just felt so alone. Like I didn't even know who I could talk to or what I could do <clears throat> about anything about the way I was feeling. And I wished so badly at the time that I did have a woman there with me just to talk to me and like help me through like the physical pain that I was feeling, you know, cause it was a very painful experience too. Um, so so yeah, like it's just a very uh, personal thing for me. And I got really, I just got really invested. And since then I've just been taking it very slow. Um, I haven't even set up a website or anything yet, to be honest with you. Um, mostly because like, but like around the time that I did graduate from this program, um, uh, you know, feeling confident and everything to serve and support women in the best way that I could. I'm just still trying to find my place exactly in the community. Um, I do have an Instagram uh, for anyone who doesn't follow me. It is a traditional birth guide. I'm sure some of you may may follow me already, but um, but yeah, I, I just kind of post occasionally um, my thoughts on there. I'm, I'm not like actively um working with women or anything right now i'm just kind of learning from my fellow sisters and just taking everything in my stride just learning more all the time because around the same time that i graduated from the program was when i started to get interested in islam and so then i started to feel a little like not like an outcast or anything i don't want to say that but just a little like alienated just because all of the women that i were following we're totally not on that same path, which is fine. I mean, you know, it's not a problem. Like, obviously I was not Muslim my whole life. I mean, it's not a big deal. Um, I have no problem with that. It's just that like, you know, there are like striking differences uh, a lot of the times between the way some women go about things and the way that I would go about things. So, and you know, a lot of women, they, um, I just didn't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable or I didn't want to start any arguments or controversies or anything like that with anybody. I didn't want to make anyone feel like, I don't know, like the way I was feeling, you know, I didn't want to alienate anybody else the way that I was feeling, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, and also too, at the same time, I just didn't really know like what my beliefs at the time were. Like when it came to birth, I didn't really know how Islam would come and play a role in, um, in this because it was still so new to me at the time I was going through so many like transformations at the time I still am so yeah. um I just spend my time you know like learning preparing um and I also too another big thing when I found you on Instagram uh I saw your picture on there like the little like Muslim lady with the niqab and I said oh my god like I can't believe that there is um another like woman who um is the Muslim and she's doing this work. Like I was so excited because like, once again, you know, Allah just, he shows you things that you just never would have even expected. So yeah. I was just so excited that I saw you on there. So I followed you and I was just like looking through all your posts, like just reading all of them. Um, especially the Islamic ones about birth and everything. And cause there's so many beautiful things in the Quran, especially about mothers and uh, babies and everything like that. So it made me feel really good because I was, I, you know, I was just feeling like I didn't even know where to go. And, you know, of course Allah stepped in and said, you know, I'll show you. <laughs> you know? oh, I'm so glad that I could, I could be there for you. <laughs> 
yes yes and through you also like um instagram like shows you all different people that you know you can follow and whatnot so i guess ever since i followed you a lot of other muslim uh birth worker sisters pop up on mm -hmm. my page and you know i follow them and i see their work and it's just so cool like i you know i didn't even know that that even existed as as silly as it sounds i you know mm -hmm. like i knew that it existed obviously maybe in other countries but on instagram like the presence i didn't know that it was so strong yeah so feel really good um and yeah so yeah so like i said just taking it very slow um still figuring out exactly where i fit in with everybody um but you know i'm starting to realize like it's kind of pointless to even ponder that because if there's one thing that reverting especially to islam has taught me was that you know like like we were talking about in the last episode about modesty um you know, it's really taught me and brought to my attention that, you know, like, we're not meant to follow what everybody else is doing, you know what I mean? So it's not a bad thing to just kind of pave your own way and, and do what you want to do, like, you know, not in like a irresponsible way. I mean, just like, you know, like, be your own leader, you know, so that's kind of what Islam has also taught me just kind of do things the way that you're supposed to be doing them. And as long as you're in aligned with your beliefs, then I, I think it's right. And, you know, I don't need to spend so much time worrying about where I fit in. But um, yeah, so I mean, I just spend my time preparing and learning. And just so when the time comes, inshallah, I, I am presented with the opportunity to serve other women that I feel confident enough to do so. And yeah. experience is obviously the best teacher. And, you know, I've heard a lot of women say that they were never ready, you know, truly, like when a woman would call them to attend their birth or something, um, that they didn't even feel ready at the time. But, uh, but, you know, it's one of those things that you just never feel really feel truly ready for. But you know, hopefully, you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, I do pray that I find my own circle of women, especially locally, uh, over here on where I live. Um, there are a lot of uh, Muslim women over here, which uh, is great. Uh, Alhamdulillah. But I do pray that I can serve the women in my community one day, inshallah. And I look forward to that because you know, it's just like, I just can't wait for that. Like, I, I have a feeling that it's coming because Allah has shown me and brought me to so many amazing things already, like, that I feel like he, like, doors are going to open that I just never would have imagined before. So right now, I just spend my time uh, ready for any opportunity that comes, you know, um, and I, and I guess the first step would be, I guess, you know, deciding on what I want to offer exactly and um, setting up like a formal way so that women can contact me if they need me because uh, I actually was a part of a uh, a local network over here uh, that you know like I registered as like a birth keeper basically and I did have one woman reach out she said she did just have a baby so um, you know I was it was already kind of too late I guess for me to be with her or tend her tend with her uh, with that but she said if she ever has another baby then she's glad that there's a local woman around so and you know I kind of went through the same thing that a lot of other women went through or go through I should say um, where like you know you feel like they're like the women in your area there's not going to be anybody that's interested in natural birth or that wants a home birth or that wants a birth keeper you know they may think that you're irresponsible or that you know what you're doing is risky or against the law and because i had all these thoughts too like i figured you know why am i even going to make this investment uh you know all these like 
doubting like self-doubting defeating thoughts would come creeping in like why am I even going to waste my time with this why am I even going to make the financial investment when no women in my area are even looking for this you know Mm. but um obviously I didn't listen to that and I know that there are women now especially uh because a lot of women I've noticed are really waking up to how just horrible hospitals are like the environment especially to give birth in like a lot of women I speak to um have been saying this and a lot of them are making the switch. They want to work with a midwife instead of working in a hospital or, or giving birth in a hospital, I should say, um, or like a birth center or whatever. So they're making the slow steps to, I guess, change the paradigm that, you know, like women don't have to give birth in a hospital with all this, you know, like, um, all these interventions, you know, so, which is very good. I'm, I'm very happy to see that. So, um, I'm just excited to see where my work is going to take me. You know, like I said, uh, my story with this is not very long or anything, but, um, you know, I'm still just trying to find my way and, um, it's just something that I'm just so passionate about that, you know, I really want to be doing this work. And it just so happened that right as I like was ready to take the leap and (laughs) dive further in and start creating serious content and creating real services that I went through this whole religious transformation. And I did go on like halt for a little while. Like there was like a couple months that I think I wasn't even posting anything because I was so immersed in learning about Islam and all that. So I just, it really kind of changed my direction a little bit, but um, now I'm starting to put the pieces back together and feel like, you know, I don't need to like worry so much about that because, you know, the people who are like, you know, like what is meant for you is going to come to you. It's not going to miss you. So it's, you know, everything is going to be fine, you know, so I'm not even going to waste my time even worrying about it. Um, Because Allah has always provided me in the past. So why wouldn't he provide for me now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So yeah, so I I just look forward uh, one day to serving the Muslim women in my community. uh, Yeah. And uh, I really look forward to that. And I really did find you very inspirational, because um, you were the first Muslim uh, birth keeper that I ever came across. So that made me really excited. So I'm, I'm really excited to even be on this podcast because I remember the first episode you ever posted that I listened to, I was at work and uh, I was like, oh my God, like I'm so excited to hear her and what she has to say and mm-hmm. all that. And the first episode I heard was you and your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was such a cute episode. I loved it so much. And um, I, I love that. I, I love the podcast so much. So yeah I was really touched actually when you did I always find it quite touching when people do reach out because we are very I'm very unseen you know I'm I'm not shown I don't show my face and in the birth world it's something that's quite especially in England in the UK the birth scene the birth world is very much everybody knows each other you become very well known and I'm the first one to step up on the scene as a a veiled Muslim woman and I'm quite uh, mild in character but I'm not mild in my passion like my passion is just my fire and, and that's not going to ever go out I don't think um, and I'm I'm very active you know considered a birth activist because I, I am active in what goes on I mean the, the system here is the NHS the National Health Service we don't pay for our health care here mm-hmm. um, it's different to the US so we kind of you know get a, a, a positive pregnancy test and we trot along to the local GP we show them that they enroll us and it's just boom 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 you just follow the system 
and you are in the system because it's because it's free people usually just go with it they don't question it so these obstetric violence obstetric rape um you know this sort of over uh, medicalization unnecessary use of and interventions is just increasing and on the rise and it happens without people even knowing and they blindly go in like cattle into this um terrifying space and then come out traumatized absolutely thinking that's what birth is that that is birth and the worst thing is it used to be minorities marginalized groups asian we've got the five times more um uh, um kind of you know what's it called five times more I don't want to say strategy, policy, it's just not coming to my mind, campaign. And it's basically Asian and Black women who die more mm. than um, any other race in, in hospital in childbirth. But this does not cover the Muslim women. You know, not all Muslim women are Black or Asian. There are a large proportion are. But what about someone like myself? I don't, I'm not categorized as Black and Asian, but I'm a Muslim. And yet Muslims are very persecuted. Muslims are very... In fact, it was said recently by somebody I know who's very big in the birth world. She now believes it's no longer black and Asians, it's Muslim women. And she's right, because the hate on Islam is no joke. Everybody, Islamophobia is just rife in England. Um, Islam is hated, Muslims are hated. We're taught to hate Muslims in schools. We're taught to hate Islam, the five pillars, the 9-11, the this, the that, the bombings here and there. You know, it, it, Muslims are hated. And I'm, I'm not scared to say it. And oh, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah, yeah it's the truth. So when we go to it, we're vulnerable, we're in labor. We have to open our legs, expose ourselves to strangers. Mm. Do we not think they're going to take advantage of that position? Do you think they're going to be nice to us? I know. They're not nice. And we need safety. We need to protect each other. So Allah guided you, Samantha. Allah guided you at the same time that you became interested in birth. The first time when Allah puts the human you know, the nutfa, the nutfa is the, the sperm and the egg meeting together, the fluid, the liquid, the egg, the ovum, the what grows into being a being mm. from the time of conception, subhanAllah, Allah knows everything. Mm. Created, the creator creates, and that is what Allah wanted you. Allah wanted you on the front line, yeah. receiving. And Allah wanted you there, so Allah put you as a birth worker, but then Allah guided you gently into Islam. He couldn't have done it at the same time. Allah knows the plan. Allah wanted you in the interested in birth work first. And then to say, okay, you know, now, now let's get you to the dean. Let's make you look at it from this perspective now. And there is, you can take as much time as you like, but there is a need for you. There is a niche. You are in the same sort of, you know, USA, UK are very similar in the societal, you know, racism is institutional. There's a mm -hmm. lot of immigration. Majority of people are immigrants, but yet there is still this instilled racism. Yes. And it's, it's, it doesn't go. It's disgusting. You even have people who are in multiracial relationships and they're racist. They have yeah. trophy husbands, trophy wives to try and kind of neutralize them to make them look like they're not racist, but they're, they're racist to the bone, to the core. Yeah, I know. And it's I, sickening. It is, it, it is. Nationalist. You know, this nationalism, my area is very nationalist. Everywhere you go, it's the flag, the flag, the flag. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so disconcerting as for myself. You know, I can't go out on my own with my children. It's not safe. Okay, it may be, but it's not. I don't feel safe. The looks I get, the um, I've had, you know, down the street I live on in the past, I remember getting my children out of the car, my husband wasn't with me, and someone threw a 2p coin. It's a small coin, but it's a big size, but it's small money. It's just two pence. It's like a couple of cents. You know, it's nothing. It's cheap. 
but it's a big coin, happens to be one of the biggest coins we have in the currency. And they threw it. It missed me by a centimeter. And I'm carrying my baby in to put him in the house. My, my God. You know, why would people do that? Or when I'm just, I'm on a main road and I'm getting out of my car. And this was just when COVID hit. My husband had taken my other child inside the house. I was bringing my other one in. And as I was getting out of my car door, someone had their window down. It's a hot summer's day. Take your mask off. Oh my god. But I mean it's ironic because there he is sitting in a car with a mask on. I, I know I was just gonna say that. Crazy. You know? Um we've had, you know, I've had comments like F off. I'm not gonna swear because I don't swear, but F mm. off back home. But I am home. Yeah, like that's where I'm from. Yeah. Or um, you know, a ninja or F off Paki. Paki, yeah. Pakistani. This is what I get a lot because I'm covered with my they can't see my face. Right. So they assume i'm a pakistani this area has a lot of pakistani women but nearly nobody wears the niqab i think there's about three or four of us who wear the niqab in this area right right it's very very um it's very serious you know what we go through so imagine going through a healthcare system and you're with people who are doing these fake voices fake smiles plastic voices plastic smiles plastic Mm. care artificial care on this very voice you know the tone they use and you just know like you said it's not really care so creating safe spaces is so important because essentially we have to live we have to survive if we can't have a safe space home birth you will see there are going to be so many muslim women they just need that confidence they need that safety because a lot of them lack confidence they might be second generation they might not have english as their first language and you're going to be that voice for them, inshallah. You're going to be that body that gives them that, that boost that makes them say, mm, I don't want to have a GD test. I don't want to be touched and prodded and have a vaginal examination. I would rather not. Thank you. Let them have their no, you know, the consent. I'm teaching my daughter now what no means to her brother. No mm-hmm. means no. We have to do this. And your role is absolutely crucial. So I'm so proud of you that you have the strength to do this because it's not easy being a revert. It's not easy doing things with no support system as in your family don't know. You know, you have to come into a place where you've been dressed X, Y, and Z and now you're dressed like this. You know, they do, I put the niqab and I lost my job. So I know how you feel. It's mm. it's not easy, but we do it for the sake of Allah. And that's huge. Mm. And the reward is huge too. I spent years without being married or having children. All my dua at the end was just, please, Ya Allah, please let me be married and have children. That's all I want. And my father said, what are you doing with your life? Take all this off and go out and get a job. I'd lost my job as a teacher. Mm. And um, I said, no, I can't, dad. I can't compromise. I can't sell out. I can't sell myself out like that. My mom would say, you've got beautiful hair, beautiful body, darling. Why are you covering it? Go out and get a lovely job no I'm not going to and then alhamdulillah Allah provided Allah gave me a husband and my child and my my dad said when I said to him uh he said what's your aspiration you know like what do you want I said I want to get married and have children now dad I was about 27 I think and he said that is not an aspiration okay let's go back to jobs and studying and I was like well hang on a minute like this is the way the society rates a woman as well is the what 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 she is you know what she can offer what she looks like aesthetically um and we're coming from a generation like my mom's generation was the first generation in the uk to break out and go to uni i mean my granny was still in war my mom was born in just just after the second world war post-war so they were still in rations we have to appreciate that they saw a different way of life to us we haven't ever ever not been at war 
We've never not been at war. It's just the war was never so close to home. But hearing your story about your husband really like hit home because not your husband, sorry, your previous partner. Mm. Um, it really hit home because you were with a veteran. Mm. You know, you were seeing they trivialize that, you know, they trivialize the life, not him necessarily, but a lot of veterans. We have them here as well. Mm. It was like a game of black ops for them. Yes. Going out there. It was a yeah. buzz. It was like, <laughs> how many can we kill today? <laughs> and yeah. ragheads calling us. Yeah. One of them called me. I lived in Bath, which is a town in England. It's a military town. All of them, all the men there. There's a big um, military defense build, um, sort of like site training place. And, you know, UK's got a big army as America, we know. And literally, I was standing outside the mas uh, mos uh, Masjid Mosque. It was Ramadan. It was raining. I was under an umbrella. And he came over to me, he said, give me your umbrella and was laughing. He was drunk. He was with a group of guys. And I was waiting for my friend to come out to the, the masjid. It was quite late, like 11 o'clock, you know, after like Tarawih. Mm -hmm. And um, he goes, and one of his mates were laughing and they said, give us that then. And they're pointing at my hijab. At those mm -hmm. days, I wasn't wearing my niqab yet. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, give us that. Give us that towel head. Oh my God. And so it's just the idea that we are living in a society where men either over sexualize us or treat us like rubbish yeah honestly i mean yeah. that's something that i've been that i've noticed too is like it's either yeah you're over sexualized and even if you show everything that you have to offer on your body like you know they'll treat you like garbage that way or even if you cover completely they still treat you like garbage like right. I'm a white woman like I'm not I'm not a person of color at all like I'm about as white as it gets but even still when I walk around completely covered and with hijab on and everything I still get looks like you know um like what is this lady doing here you know like what do you, like people especially at work like they look at me like like as if they're like weary of me like as if like they're like I'm a like I don't know like they're like they're scared of me or something you know what I mean and it's just unbelievable because I can only imagine how my other sisters must feel who you know are not white and like people obviously look at me differently because I am a white Muslim so they think that maybe I'm you know, they have all these preconceived notions about people just based on their race. You know, like you said, racism goes so deep and right. it is so institutionalized, especially in older generations, which is primarily like who I'm around at my job. So, you know, I can only imagine that if I was working my same job and I happened to be a woman of color and wearing hijab and, you know, traditional dress, how differently that I would be treated. You know what I mean? Right. And it's something I've thought about before. And, you know, I can only imagine how Muslim women in my area must feel like, you know, because, I, you know, I don't know how many Muslim doctors there are over here or how like they even go about any of that. Right. I mean, Right. It's just like really interesting to think about. And yeah, like it's just crazy. And, you know, actually, while you were talking, I thought of something um, interesting when I was listening to a podcast, I can't remember which one it was, and I don't even think it matters, but um, I was listening to like a birth related podcast about like free birth and like natural birth and stuff. And um, the host of it was actually sharing uh, an experience that she had with somebody, I forget, I don't think she was working with the, oh, actually, no, no, no. She was working with the Muslim woman who was pregnant, who was going to give birth. And um, she even herself was saying things about Islam and making comments about like, basically that Muslim women, the way that they choose to go about 
like uh, this particular event, like giving birth was like, she was basically implying that it was ignorant and like these women, they don't really know what it means to be a woman. Like this is a what I feel like a lot of women think, especially like new age, especially American women. Right. Uh, they think like Muslim women don't understand what it means to be a woman. And yeah, because- They think we're backward. Yeah, yeah, they think yeah. we're backward. They say it. I've had an yeah, open, yeah. I've seen this written yeah. on midwives posts. They actually yeah. think we're backward. Yeah. And it's like, I, you know, and that makes me think too, like Muslim women, they must be scared and they right. just must be like, they don't even know who they can really talk to because, you know, maybe they're speaking with a midwife who says, yeah, yeah, no, I'll support you in your birth. And, you know, we'll do everything the way that you want. But then when, you know, push comes to shove, they really have no respect for them or their wishes. And they have no desire to go about things the way that they really wanted that, you know, the, the woman wanted them to like, you know, and, and in their own head, they really think that this woman, just because she's a Muslim, doesn't really know what she wants. She must be forced into doing these things because right. her husband so, you know what and, I mean? And Samantha, they often think that because we come from a background where they think we're oppressed, we're easy to manipulate. Therefore, we're easy yeah. to say, you need to have a C-section, honey. Yes. Yeah. yeah you can't birth naturally. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Like what the, <laughs> we actually, I can No, your pelvis is too small. I, yeah. This is a common, common phrase that my, I have so many sisters in my community and that I am in contact with who have had C-sections. Mm. I have not ever had one because I never would have one yeah. unless obviously it's an emergency because I'm not against intervention when emergency circumstances, of course, right. yeah, but yeah. unnecessary interventions, uh, unnecessary over-medicalization can be prevented mm-hmm. with birth education and autonomy and, and allowing people to have that autonomy um, but they assume that a Muslim woman is a very easy catch in that sense. Well, obviously, you know, she's totally manipulated anyway, so I can tell her to do this and she submits and that's the problem. She will. Yeah. So, yes, a Muslim woman submits to Allah. We are very submissive by nature. We have to be. We are, we are modest. We are shy. You know, our natural characteristics of a Muslima is haya, it's a natural shyness. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be exposed. We submit. We, we respect authority in the sense that if somebody tells us, look, a doctor or, you know, if they're conditioned, a lot of people are conditioned to think that doctors and nurses are always right. The hospital right. is right. Mm-hmm. And this is a cultural conditioning. I wasn't raised like that culturally, but my partner was, my husband was, and I had to you know, educate him into knowing that actually it's not the best place to have a baby. It's just not the safest place. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. culturally, if you come from places like um, Pakistan, um, India, Africa, unless it's a traditional background, they do believe that the medicalization of the West is brilliant. I know. Yeah, no, I know. I've spoken to a lot of people from the countries you've mentioned and yeah, like they have become very Westernized in that sense. And there, there are a lot of women who, you know, they, I guess they still give birth at home if that's what they want, but a lot of them are being very influenced by the West and the West is influencing these countries in a way that I didn't even know. Like, you know, I think in America, I think the statistic is one in three babies are born via C-section. And I think it's even higher. I think it's like even worse in the countries you've mentioned, like Pakistan and everything. Yeah, like, it is. I mean, I've got firsthand um, information that majority of births are C-section in India, for example. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Pakistan, to be honest, but I know in India it is. And over here, uh, the hospital trust is paid £7,000 per C-section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're making money from C-sections. Yeah. Actually yeah. making money. And 
the risk it has is immense because of course the woman ends up feeling like she's failed that she can't give birth that her body's failed her she's failed and this is what often happens so that you know repercussions are pain you know possibly scarring well there is scarring but possibly infection in the scarring and then you know as a result of it they're told we recommend as soon as they've had the baby by the way next baby we recommend c-section again they never recommend VBAC. never ever never too much of a liability for them right. too much of a risk that they won't make the same in their pockets after you know what i mean so yeah. it's just a business it's not even it's Absolutely. nothing else other than you know they're just a bunch of really i view them as just salespeople. like they're right. just pitching something to you and if you go along with it then they're just going to run with it and if not then they get upset and they try to upsell you you know what i mean right exactly exactly so that's, that's really how it is you know mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's so I think there's so we should definitely keep in touch over the coming years, because what yeah. goes on in the UK is transitioning it's changing a lot. And likewise, in the USA, I think we should keep up to date with one another about what really is going on in the birth world, because um, it's very interesting seeing what goes on, and the comparisons and also the similarities. Um, subliminal similarities, the way they imitate each other. You know, it's almost like the UK is starting to kind of imitate the USA and is trying to privatize the NHS. And you remember Trump, of course, delightful Trump, was so interested in the NHS, mm. so interested in the National Health Service, loved it. <laughs> yeah. So people used to say, you know, some people would love to get their hands on it. Who knows? But it's an interesting, it's an interesting system because once you use it, you are part of their way. And if yeah. you don't use it, you get, you know, accused of having a concealed pregnancy. It's very hard to have a baby in this country without going through the National Health Service. Yeah. Um, you can get reported to social services, which is essentially child. I don't know you call it CPS in America. Yeah, yeah child protective services. Cool. Yeah, they use it here, like social services. So child protection, child services, whatever it is. I don't know because they change their names all the time. But yeah, that kind of thing. And of course, you know, you live, people live in fear of having children. It should not be like that. We need freedom. So representing our Muslim community, our Muslim women, our ummah. Ummah means community. Ummi is mummy. Mm. Yeah, ummi. Um, it's the importance of, of the role of the mother and the women when we step up. So, yeah. So Samantha, I'm aware that the time is just about to, to, to kind of clock off on us. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we close? No, I think that's it. I think we hit everything pretty well, pretty well. I have loved sharing this time with you. Jazakallah khair. May Allah reward you, Amin, for coming and joining, taking your time out. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me on. I, it yes. was an honor. Keep in touch, inshallah, Samantha. Yes, inshallah, I will. Absolutely. You take care. You too. Thank you so okay. much. You're welcome. Assalamu alaikum wa matullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you. Yes, have a great day. You too, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Bye.